Are you looking for the power of God in your life? Here's Pastor Xavier Reese with this insight. How do we know that God is leading? Because God's Word is coming alive. God's Word is transforming us. God opens doors. God supplies the resources. God raises up the people. God does everything. And we know that no man can do that. God says, get out of the way. Just let me work. Obey my Word. And as you obey my Word, I will be fighting for you. The battle is the Lord's. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Computers are definitely one of the most important assets to our generation. However, they're useless unless they have the right programming. Today, as we near a close of our study in the book of Deuteronomy, Pastor Xavier reminds us of the importance of staying true to the programming God left for us in His Word, and not merely in the understanding of men. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 1 through 8, and I've entitled the message, God Leads Through Men. Leadership is something that is lacking in both our nation and our churches today. Due to the fact that both have ceased to depend upon God for their guidance and they have become enamored with their own importance. Often we make a mistake thinking that men are great. But in reality, there are only men who accomplish great things through God's leading. Good leadership is of the greatest importance. And it will determine the outcome of a home, a business, a nation, certainly the church. And for that reason, it must be the Lord Jesus who leads his people individual as well as his church corporately. And when he leads his church corporately, he does it through called and anointed men. As we come to our passage this morning, we come to a place where the people of God are ready to pass into the promised land and inherit it. And Moses must hand over his leadership to Joshua. The passage provides for us three things about the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. First, the explanation of the transfer of Moses' leadership is given to us in verses 1 and 2. Secondly, you have the declaration of God's primary leadership through a man, verses 3 through 6. And then thirdly, you have the proclamation that God commissioned Joshua's leadership, verses 7 and 8, as well as 14. Let me read the passage for you, and we'll take one at a time. Then Moses went, and he spake those words to all Israel. And he said to them, I am 120 years old today. I can no longer go out or come in. Also the Lord has said to me, You shall not cross over this Jordan. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He will destroy these nations from before you, and you shall dispossess them. Joshua himself crosses over before you, just as the Lord has said. And the Lord will do to them as he did to Sihon and Og, the kings of the Amorites and their land, when he destroyed them. The Lord will give them over to you that you may do to them according to every commandment which I have commanded you. Be strong and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage. 
For you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. And then in verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, the days approach when you must die. Call Joshua and present yourselves in the tabernacle of meeting that I may inaugurate him. So Moses and Joshua went and presented themselves in the tabernacle of meeting. Three things about the transfer of leadership from Moses to Joshua. First, the explanation for the transfer of Moses' leadership is found in verses 1 and 2. Notice in verse 1, Moses was renewing the covenant with Israel before they entered the promised land. This is the context. Very important. Um, in verse 1, he says, Then Moses went and spoke these wor words to all Israel. What words? The words that have been given to him in the covenant in the previous chapters. Now, I'm not going to go in detail, but let me just run uh, part of chapter 29 for you, okay? Uh, in verse 2 and 3, he was to remind them of God's power they had seen in Egypt. Then in verse 4, he was to remind them of God's sorrow over their spiritual dullness. In spite of all that God had done, they did not have a heart for God. In verse 5, the first portion, he was to remind them of God's guidance in the wilderness. In verse 5, the rest of it in 6, he was to remind them of God's provisions. Then in verse 7, he was to remind them of God's protection. In verse 8, he was to remind them of God's goodness. In verse 9, he was to remind them of God's covenant. And then in verse 10 through 13, he was to remind them of their accountability to God as a nation as well as individuals. And then when you get down to verse 14 of chapter 29, you can just group the whole thing together to chapter 30, verse 10. And he was to remind them of their future apostasy and regathering. And so Moses was renewing the covenant with Israel before they entered the promised land. This is the context. Notice secondly in verse 2 of chapter 31, Moses was giving the people the reasons for not being able to enter himself. First, he was 120 years old. I mean, that's old. <laughs> Forty years he had spent in Egypt being groomed for the throne of Egypt as the son of Pharaoh. Forty years he had spent in the land of Midian, tending sheep. Forty years he had been used to lead the people of God out of Egypt and through the wilderness. The first forty years, he thought he was something. The next forty years, he knew he was nothing. And the last forty years, he was used to do something. It's interesting when I first became a Christian, I don't remember who exactly I read it from, but um, this man saw his life in three divisions, and, um, and as I thought about it more and more, it kind of made sense. And, and I looked at my life in the same way, and I have looked at it in the same way. I was saved a little bit over 23, when I was 23. Um, so I divide my life into three sections, three twenties. The first 20 I threw away. They were worthless. The next 20 years I saw as God preparing me, teaching me, molding me, teaching me to be a father, a husband, a pastor, a student of the Word of God. And then the last 20 years of my life, I saw as God using me with some efficiency 
for his glory, whatever that might be. I am in my last 20 years. And really, the Bible says that if we reach to be 70, we're pushing it. <laughs> we're fortunate. He could no longer go out or come in, secondly, meaning that he was unable to lead them. He's old. He was 120 years old. <laughs> he could not lead the people any longer. Thirdly, he says he could not cross over Jordan and enter the land by God's prohibition. You see, Moses has struck the rock at Kadesh rather than speaking to the rock in Numbers 20, verse 7 through 11. The children of Israel were thirsty and they became uh, complaining against God. And they said, Moses, you know, have you brought us out to this wilderness to kill us? We're thirsty. And so Moses went to God and God says, Moses, just speak to the rock. Give him the drink. And so Moses went out there and he says, what must I do, you rebellious people? Strike this rock and give you the drink. And he struck the rock twice. People drank. Thirst was quenched. God said, Moses, come here. What did I tell you? Don't give him a drink. Yeah, what did I tell you? Just speak the rock. What would you do? I hit the rock. Bad boy. Made a mistake. You see, God says, you have failed to hollow me before the people. He did not believe God, first of all. And secondly, his, he misrepresented God before the people. Remember, Moses was the meekest man on the earth and one of the greatest leaders, if not the greatest leader in Israel. And yet he was to be used as an illustration of disobedience. He did not enter the promised land. David one day committed adultery with a woman, Bathsheba. And as God sent the prophet Nathan, Nathan says, you will not die, you are forgiven, but... What you have done in secret, God will do openly before all of Israel. He took a man's wife and he laid with her in secret. Tried to cover it for a year. Killing her husband. And yet God brought judgment on David and allowed his son Absalom, as he ran him out of the kingdom, to go into every one of his concubines sexually on the rooftop of his house before all of Israel. I'll tell you, the Bible is an incredible book because um, if men wrote it, they, they weren't from this planet. Because when we write about ourselves or mankind, we usually write about our goodness. One day a painter was painting Lincoln and he was trying to be as polite as possible, asking him to turn certain ways so he would not get the mold. And, 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 uh, and, and when he got said, um, Lincoln says, how do I look? He says, oh, great. He says, all right, now you make sure you paint me, ward and all. Not many men like that. He then takes us to the declaration of God's primary leadership through a man. Notice first in verse 3. God would be the one who would cross over before them. The Lord your God himself crosses over before you. He would be the one to lead them. How we make a great mistake when we try to lead instead of follow. 
How when we think that we know more than God. How when we know better than God. How we, I don't understand why God, and here I go. He would be the one to destroy those nations from before them. Yes, he would be using a man. But it would be God who would be doing the work. He would allow them to dispossess the nations. They would be the recipients of God's gift. But the tendency is to say, look what Moses has done. Look what Aaron has done. Look what Joshua has done. Instead of saying, look what God has done. It happens every movement of the church. And men become golden calves. And you know, the Bible says golden calves have to be melted. You know, Isaiah the prophet had his eyes on King Uzziah. And in uh, the earlier chapter, it says, When in the day that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in his temple. And his train did fill the temple with his glory. Finally, Isaiah got his eyes back on God. He had him on Uzziah the king. God said, Isaiah, I don't care who's on the throne on the earth or who's not on the throne. As long as I'm on the throne, I'm the one who's leading. Oh, what a simple, basic lesson. But how often we fail to see it. Because we get our eyes on a man. Notice secondly in verse 3 still, God would use Joshua as Moses' replacement. He would also go before them. He says that Joshua himself crosses over before you. So they were to look to Joshua now, no longer to Moses, the, the passing of the baton, if you will. He would be acting under God's leading as the Lord has said. The Lord would defeat the enemies through Joshua as he did Sihon and Og through Moses, verse 4 says. In other words, it would be the same God doing the same things but through a different man. The Lord would turn the enemy over to them in order that they do them according to the commandment. What commandments? Verse 5 it says, all the commandments he told them. What did he tell them? When you go in the land, don't make leagues with them. Don't make covenants with them. Don't look at their practices. Don't be inquisitive about their corruption, about their satanic rituals. Nothing. Wipe them out. They were to obey completely. Did they? Were they going to? No. And they added to their hurt. Because they did not follow the leading of God. They followed their own leading. Look to your own life. The times that you have taken your own lead and the hurt you have added. It's sufficient to add hurt to myself. But when the hurt is to others because of me, that's when it's bad. As husbands and wives, we make decisions as we commit ourselves to marriage is one thing. And if we hurt one another, and if we, if we dis divorce one another, that's one thing, and that's terrible. But when children are involved and they are destroyed, that's altogether a different matter. Who's leading am I following in my life? Notice thirdly, in verse 6, God would not abandon them. Oh, this is great. Be strong 
and of good courage. Do not fear nor be afraid of them, for the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. And so they were to be strong and of good courage due to the fact that it was God, not man, who was leading them. Our confidence is not in man. Our confidence is in what God is doing and on how God is leading. And how do we know that God is leading? Because God's word is becoming alive. God's word is transforming us. God opens doors. God supplies the resources. God raises up the people. God does everything. And we know that no man can do that. It is God. They were not to fear or be afraid of the enemy due to the fact that it was God who would fight for them. So often we forget that it is God. Remember Jehoshaphat, stand still and, and see the glory of the Lord. It is, the battle is the Lord's. Too often we take the battle on ourselves and say, well, I'm going to do this and I'm not going to do that. And, you know, I'm going to teach that guy. And, you know, and God says, get out of the way. Just let me work. Obey my word. And as you obey my word, I will be fighting for you. You will never complain against God if you will be obedient after the fact. But you will always regret if you were disobedient after the fact. Always. Because hindsight is 100%, right? <laughs> you can see it clearly. They were to understand that God would not leave them or forsake them. This is incredible. Because how often men have failed us, family has failed us, husband, wives, children, we fail each other. And yet God will never forsake us. He'll never leave us. Paul the Apostle in his uh, last epistle, 2 Timothy, he says, all men have forsaken me in Asia. And so when I went before Nero, the Lord stood with me. That's good. <laughs> there will be times in your life where you will stand alone and God will stand with you. And no one else. All will forsake you. All must understand you. But God will stand with you. And that's the importance. I will never leave you nor forsake you. This promise is also to us in the New Testament. This is the declaration of God's primary leadership through a man. Don't get so enamored with the man. Thank God for the man. Pray for the man. But don't worship the man. Worship God. He leads through men. It brings us to the proclamation that God commissioned Joshua's leadership. Verse 7, Moses confirms the transfer of leadership to Joshua by calling him out before all the people. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people to the land which the Lord has sworn to their fathers to give them, and you shall cause them to inherit it. Notice first that he addresses Joshua in the sight of all of Israel. Moses knows that God has told him he cannot go in. Moses also knows that God has chosen Joshua. He addresses him personally. Moses understood the pain, the difficulty, the trials, the agony of being a leader. He knew it. He tells them, be strong and courageous. See, Joshua has not been the leader. And so Joshua doesn't know what Moses knows by experience. 
There's a lot of people who think that they can do a better job in the church at times, and they, and they are critics, and they, they have a lot of advice and opinions. I don't know why a pastor did that, and they shouldn't do that in the church. And they, you know, they're great. But it's almost like sitting in your living room, you know, and you're watching a football game. And the play goes on, and all of a sudden, and you go, oh, why did, I wouldn't have done that. Why but you, you don't get paid the big bucks. You can't even throw a football 40 yards. But you've got it all together. Moses knew. He says, be strong and a good courage. Why? Because Moses says, you have no idea what's in store for you, Joshua. What a responsibility. Remember, these are rebellious people. These are people that murmur every time they turn the corner. <laughs> these are people that want to rally up people to stone you to death. <laughs> Not an easy task. Secondly, in verse 8, Moses reminds Joshua that it is God who will do the work through his leadership. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. Why does he tell them this? Because it is so easy for us to get carried away with ourselves. Oh, man, are we humble when we first begin? Are we so polite and all that? And then all of a sudden, we're in power. And the claws come out. And the fangs. And the hair on the back of our neck stands up. Hmm. God is the one who would go before him. He reminds Joshua, Joshua, you're going to be put in a place that is very, very precarious. Very, very dangerous. Everybody is going to have their eyes on you when they should have their eyes on God. Be also careful you don't believe their press. God would be with him. He will be ever present and notice your, the attitude of your heart, your thoughts, your intentions, everything as a leader. God would not leave him nor forsake him. What a comfort to know that no matter what, if I'm following God, then I cannot miss. Job says, even though they slay me, yet will I trust in you. That's commitment. God would not have him to fear nor to be dismayed. Why? Because there would be situations, circumstances of life. Life is very difficult, is it not? There are times when we are just, uh, I mean, it's scary. There are times of difficulty in, in our youth, pressures, temptations, bad decisions. There's difficult times in our young adulthood and early married life, the pressures of providing and caring and bringing a family in and, 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 and being that example, making financial decisions, the difficulties and trials of older age as your health may decline, as troubles happen in your children's family. Life is difficult, and we are prone to be dismayed and discouraged, despondent, even depressed, because our eyes are upon the situation and not God. They are upon a person, not upon God. And so Moses reminds Joshua that it is God who will do the work through his leadership. 
Don't get carried away with yourself, Joshua. Don't take yourself so serious. Don't think that you are so important. You're just an instrument. That's good. That's a good basic principle to remember in our lives. Pastor Xavier Reese with wise words regarding the power of God in the life of the believer. And you can request a copy of today's encouraging message from Deuteronomy called God Leads Through Men. You can pick up a copy for just $4 on CD. And make sure you share this message with those in your Bible study. So the title to ask for once again is God Leads Through Men. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make a request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you contact us. Well, next time, Pastor Xavier Reese shares the benefits for those who submit to the power and authority of those who submit to God's anointing. That's all on the next Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California www.calvarychapelpasadena.com